Hey guys, I am Vagabond, and it's been pointed out to me that uh, a lot of you don't know who the hell I am. <laughs> I apologize for that. And for those of you who do and, and you don't want to hear this stuff, I apologize for this that's about to come. But to put it in a nutshell, here is me in a nutshell. I'll make it as quick as I can, giving you all the important details. Uh, my dad's from Washington State. My mom's from California. I was born in Washington. We immediately moved back to California. So essentially, I'm a Californian. I grew up in Big Bear Lake, about 7,000 feet above Los Angeles, exploring old gold mines and traipsing through the woods and building tree houses and doing all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, as a lot of kids in the, in the 70s and 80s suffered, uh, for me, it was in the 80s. Uh, my parents divorced and all kinds of weird drama happened and you know me and my siblings we bounced back and forth between parents and friends houses and other relatives and things like that and um, so I ended up going to school in Myrtle Creek Oregon for a little bit of grade school and then back to Big Bear Lake for uh, a little bit of middle school and and the beginning of high school and then uh, to Redding California where I graduated and didn't really know anybody um, very well my best friends were exchange students um, and Redding wasn't my place. Sorry, Redding lovers, but I couldn't wait to get out of that place. So I joined the Marines and I got the hell out of there. I thought the Marines were going to show me the world, but the Marines showed me San Diego, Memphis, Tennessee, and Jacksonville, North Carolina. That was it. Four years. That's all the places they sent me. Um, I joined during a war in some sort of weird peak of of patriotism, which... um, I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, I did a good job. I got out. And when I got out, I wanted to see more of the world because they hadn't shown me much. I mean, I'd explored the southern uh, states, the eastern seaboard, and a little bit of the Midwest in the time that I'd been in. I'd gone to Puerto Rico and the Bahamas, um, you know, Florida, a few places like that, Alabama. So I'd seen a little bit of uh, North America through, through that time, but just on my own dime and just on my, uh, on my off time. So when I got out, I said, I'm out of here. And I went to back to Washington state, you know, I was looking for my roots. I wanted to find who I was. I went to a really cool little hippie town called Bellingham, Washington. And it felt like the first place that I'd ever been home. You know, people were welcoming. There was like a diverse hippie community there that kind of like welcomed me in and, you know, I was like, all right, brother. And I'd already been going to Grateful Dead shows and fish shows and things like that while I was in the Marine Corps. So that was the vibe I wanted. So I just hunkered down and I stayed there. I got involved in radio. I, I became a DJ and a producer for a very cool morning show. Uh, then that transitioned into doing some film work and traveling over to Europe and uh, working as a casting assistant in England for a little while um, and working as a craft services guy up in Alaska. And then, you know, I kind of went off the rails a little bit, lots of drinking, spending all my money. My, uh, my grandmother, who was like the light of my life up to that point, she passed away and I just lost it. Um, so I didn't really know what to do. So, so I started a magazine, uh, and the magazine, uh, was okay for a while. We did a startup. It was very early. It was 1998 uh, for the internet. And we created a website and magazine. And what we wanted to do was to use the internet to connect art and culture together, which sounds really stupid now and, and obvious. But at the time, nobody was really doing it. So we created this magazine called Conch Sense. And what Conch Sense did was uh, it it was bringing environmental ethics and sustainability and... Um, art and 
reducing and recycling and a little bit of conspiracy theory and some anti-government anarchist stuff and I was bringing it all together and creating this like community magazine out of it so we wanted to be sort of like a craigslist before there was craigslist but we had a really hard time getting people to even look at the internet it was mostly 56k dial-up modems at that point and most people didn't have one and so, uh, you know, groups of friends would get together to get on the internet and sort of figure out what to look at and see and which, uh, which, you know, chat rooms to go to. That was a real thing, chat rooms. So anyway, eventually the magazine got a little too radical for our advertising base and our advertisers started pulling out. And that was completely my fault. You know, my partner at the time, a guy named Edwin Penny, who um, I haven't talked to for years, but I hope he's doing really well. Super smart guy, super innovative. I kick myself all the time for not listening to him and following his ideas because he was like the Steve Jobs. um, He was like the Steve Wozniak, we can say, the technical genius. Um, But he also had some elements of Steve Jobs and and I was just pretty much like... um, I don't know, Abby Hoffman, <laughs> if you know who that guy is, steal this book. So anyway, we had a kind of a cool partnership um, going on, but we had other people that were involved and pretty much everybody else stopped contributing. You know, Edwin was contributing lots of time and lots of energy, and it was me that was having to contribute all the money, so I was working as a DJ still and a copywriter at the radio station and paying for our office and paying rent and paying the publication costs, and as the uh, advertisers started pulling out, I became more and more angry, and finally I just said, fuck it, and I shut the whole thing down. It's one of the big regrets of my life doing that, but you do what you do. So I shut it down because I saw all of my friends were taking these tech jobs with Microsoft and down in Seattle and people were getting super rich. There were more millionaires being created every day through Microsoft and the internet and the dot-com companies um, than had ever been created in the history of the U.S. And so I said, I forget it. I want a part of that. I'm going for the money. Fuck this like, uh, you know, altruistic, environmental, you know, uh, anarchistic stuff. I'm just going straight for the money. So I joined a company called Tech Planet. And Tech Planet was a was an interesting concept. What they wanted to do, they were out of Silicon Valley. They wanted to um it was a good business, good good plan uh, to start. They wanted to build a chain of companies in every major city in the US, in every state in the US that essentially networked people's computers together because at that time it was really hard to network people's computers together. So they hired me. They sent me to uh, Houston, Texas. And in Houston, they put me through this intensive, basically network engineer junior course. Uh, And we went through this, uh, this, you know, amazing course. And then we all got sent back to our respective offices. So I was back in the office in Seattle and Seattle was just far enough uh, away from Silicon Valley that basically our the head of our office was just this guy that just did nothing. He would like sit behind the glass wall and just look at porn. And I'm not going to say his name cuz, you know, who knows what happened to him. Hopefully good things. But anyway, the company started going downhill and morale in our office was just terrible. And by the time they actually sent us a new uh, you know, office manager, a new um person to lead our office uh, it was too late and the company was no longer profitable and the morale in our office had gone so far down that people just like were 
we're not really into it. And I saw this and I saw what was happening with the company and I saw that we were just bleeding money. So I wrote this terrible, uh, awful letter to the CEO um, and that just said like, what are you, an idiot? And the CEO called me and we had a conference call and he was like super impressed with the fact that I'd like cottoned on to the fact that the company was failing. Um, and I should have maximized that luck. But instead, what I did was I, uh, I thought, oh, I did that, so I'll go further. So then I just said, screw this company, and I wrote a letter and sent it out on the servers to every employee in the company saying, hey, this company is going to fail, and you're all going to be screwed, and you better quit your jobs like I'm doing right now because the company is going to ask you to work for free in two weeks, and then it's going to fold up and leave you high and dry. And that was the end of my time at Tech Planet. And guess what happened? A month later, they sent out a notice that said, we don't have enough money. We want the employees to work for free. And um, by the way, all three of my roommates at the time also worked at Tech Planet. We'd all become friends at Tech Planet. And we were roommates together in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. And so anyway... (laughs) uh, Yeah, they sent out this thing that said, we don't have any money to pay people, but we want everybody to hunker down and help, and we'll get paychecks to you soon. A month of that went by, and then uh, one day, my roommates all went into the office, and they got there, and they couldn't get a hold of anybody in Silicon Valley, and they called people they knew in Silicon Valley, um, because a couple of people had cell phones at that point, and they said, hey, can you go to the office and check what's going on, see if the computer system's down, and they went, and the office had basically been abandoned, um, so they had, like, pulled out all the equipment, they had closed it up, they had, like, turned in the keys, and that was it, and Tech Planet was done, so at that point, all the, all the employees that were left, they went to Tech Planet and basically ransacked the place. You know, at the time, the, the big thing was the Mac G4 computers and, um, you know, MacBooks and things like that. They went there. These guys were just like taking all of this networking equipment and they took all that stuff and they just said, screw Tech Planet. And they started a company called Black Sheep Technology, um, which I think is still around, but it's hard to tell because the website still looks like it was made in, you know, the year 2000. Um, so who knows, but anyway, that company folded. I didn't get stock options. I didn't get rich. Uh, the dot-com crash happened. Nobody was hiring. Suddenly there were like homeless people all over the place, you know, who had been rich, um, people working for, uh, amazing companies. And, you know, it's funny that was in Seattle. And at the time, uh, I just remember people laughing about Amazon and going like, oh my God, what a joke, man. He's never made any money. He's never going to make a profit. He's going to totally go broke. Um, good for you, Jeff Bezos, not, not listening and just continuing on. But anyway, uh, I made my own choices. I bought a VW van for 150 bucks from somebody, some drug addict that was selling it on the street. And then I moved out of the house that I'd been in with my Tech Planet roommates who were starting up a new... Uh, you know, black sheep technology company in the midst of like this crash. And I, uh, I decided to write a book about what it was like to be homeless. And that's how I became an author. Uh, so I wrote a book called rough living tips and tales of a vagabond. Uh, and that book sort of details my journey from tech planet to how to live in the street on the Northwest and, uh, up and down the West coast, um, how to make a little money here and there, how to get food, how to travel, how to do all these things without having a job and definitely on the cheap rough living tips and tales of a vagabond, which 
I had a traditional publisher who, you know, just basically scammed me. They uh, they didn't even proofread enough. They misspelled vagabond on the uh, on the spine instead of putting vagobond like I asked. They put vegobond. So if you ever find a copy that says rough on the spine, rough living tips and tales of a vegabond, yeah, that's me. And it's pretty interesting uh, to note that at the time ebooks were a brand new concept. And what they did with the ebooks was. Uh, they, they just said, hey, you know, we're going to open an ebook store. So they created an ebook of my book uh, that I was supposed to get paid royalties for. And the funny thing is, they didn't protect it in any way. So within about a month, my book, which became pretty popular, uh, was being shared with tens of thousands of people. And I was getting nothing from it, except for the like 38 cents that I got from the one download, which the guy downloaded and then, you know, uploaded it to some free user site for people who were moving into their cars and, and van life, basically. Um, and I claim to have invented the van life hashtag. And I'm pretty sure that I did, but that was a little bit later. So anyway, I got lucky and I, uh, I won some money at a casino and then I went back to the same casino and I won more money. And rather than doing something responsible with it, I decided to buy a ticket to China and, went to China for um, a month and then I went to Laos for a month and then I went to Indonesia for a month and to Thailand for a month and I traveled around for you know four or five months around Southeast Asia and sort of like found myself uh, my friend Autumn she said she said oh my god you left a homeless person you came back Euro trash um, which I guess is pretty funny but uh, I did I came back uh, not knowing what the hell I was going to do. And in the midst of, you know, a pretty severe economy, there weren't many jobs. I didn't have a home to go back to. I didn't know what to do. And, um, so I just went where I had friends and I had friends in Portland, Oregon. And in Portland, I got a job as a bartender and I was working, but living in my van, sometimes staying in my friends, uh, Ray and, and Stefan and Tony's house. And then, uh, and then one morning I was I was house sitting for my friend Autumn and I turned on the TV and I saw the airplanes crash into uh, the buildings in New York. And I just said, screw it. I don't want any part of this because I saw, you know, there was I've talked about this, the whole uh, flag waving, the way that the United States changed, basically, and the mentality of the American people changed on that morning was just something that was disgusting and that I couldn't handle. So I bought a ticket to Hawaii, sold my uh, sold my possessions, and gathered up my money and split and came here to Hawaii. And in Hawaii, it was kind of more of the same, you know. I, I got lucky. I got a good job. I worked as a hostel. I became a tour guide. I uh, I lived on the island of Kauai where I was a kayak guide. I came back to this island of Oahu where I worked as a high end tour guide. I wrote a couple more books, uh, you know novel and a science fiction novel neither one of them really particularly great but um felt good to write them felt pretty bad when nobody wanted to read them and when people critiqued them pretty harshly which people will do and you just got to get used to if you're going to write and put stuff out there so you know at this point i was an author and a tourism professional and i was working with high-end uh high-end people and i met this great gal and we started dating and, and she was real kind of a high-class, beautiful, you know, well-educated um, person, and I 
was so lucky to be with her, but you know what happened? My insecurities went nuts, man. I like instantly felt, um, well, not instantly, but over time we had some issues and I just like, I went into this crazy space where I felt like I had to prove, uh, that I was as good as her and, and could do as much stuff as her. And, and, um, it made it basically impossible for either of us to have a relationship, you know? And, um, I feel terrible about that relationship because I look back at that now and I see, um, that how difficult I must've been for her. Um, you know, I mean, there were things that were difficult for me too, but yeah, I was, I was awful. So anyway, that relationship ended. Uh, I went back to the university of Hawaii. Well, I, I didn't go back to the university of Hawaii, but I enrolled at the university of Hawaii, put myself on a, um, a very like hardcore track to get a degree determined that I was going to graduate with honors. Um, you know, wanted to be, you know, somebody like that was somebody. So I became the president of the honor student organization and the president of the campus Sierra club. And I got involved in all these like campus clubs and organizations and I made films and, and then I graduated and it was 2008 and I went to look for a job, but I'd picked a stupid major, which was anthropology, which is really cool, but which is a terrible major. If you're ever going to look for a job, an anthropology major is probably about the worst one that you could have. You know, it's worse than like a basket weaver is going to have more job opportunities than a undergrad anthropologist. So anyway, there were no jobs except in banks. And I was back to my anti-capitalist sort of way of thinking because um, I didn't have any money. And that's the way that goes. When you don't have any money, you're very anti-capitalist. Um, and maybe when you have money, you remain anti-capitalist, but uh, it doesn't sting quite as much. Um, which I wouldn't really know about because I don't really have any money still. But there weren't any jobs, so I said, fuck it. And I had saved uh, a little bit of my student loans, and, and I just said, forget it. So I moved out of my apartment and went back to the mainland and bought train tickets across the U.S. and bought a flight from New York to, uh, to Spain and traveled around Spain and Europe and went to Africa and fell in love with my wife. And we got married and uh, had a baby and lived in Turkey and moved back to Morocco and we worked to get her citizenship. And then we came back to the U.S. And it was expensive. 2013, um, everything was much more expensive than it had been. There still weren't really any jobs. I thought because I'd built this like vagabond and this social media empire and I had this huge following and all of these people that, you know, like I got quoted and interviewed and all this stuff. I thought I'd be able to go to San Francisco and get a good, good job in Silicon Valley. Yeah, no, I was, (laughs) I was a 42 year old guy. Uh, who had a sketchy job history and nobody wanted to hire me unless it was for like minimum wage, um, you know, on like an intern salary. I did get a couple of offers, but they were, you know, no way to support a family on that. So with a little bit of money that I'd managed to save from Vagabond during the 10 years that we lived, uh, um, you know, outside of the U.S., um, it wasn't 10 years, actually. It was less than that. But during that time, I'd saved some money because Vagabond was really good for a while. Uh, although it started dying about the time that we moved to the U.S. And by the time we got to the U.S., I was making, you know, just a couple thousand dollars a year with it, which was traumatizing. So I said, okay, where can we move that I can survive? We picked a small town up in Oregon. Nice town filled with nice people. Um, 
And we went there and I, you know, started a little community paper and we built an antique shop. We made friends. And then in 2016, Donald Trump got elected and really like brought out the monster in everyone you know here I am with my like Arab wife and our little Muslim baby and daughter who's going to school and gonna say Allah Akbar and and I'm hearing the most atrocious things from the policeman from the like mayor you know I'm hearing people say these like incredibly racist and uh religiophobic and um and just things that made me panic and then they put up a big statue of Trump and a big chainsaw carving of Donald Trump and I just freaked out and I said I got to get my family out of here we're going back to Hawaii somehow so I put my shop up for sale this guy came along wanted to buy the shop and the paper I gave it to him for a song hopefully he's made good with it um, as I was making pretty good with it and we got rid of our stuff and came here to Hawaii and here we are and I'm back to being a tour guide uh, I drive some of the richest people that you've ever heard about around and I show them beautiful things on this island of Oahu and uh, basically I share the knowledge that I've picked up about this place uh, and the knowledge that I'm continuously uh, learning and, and exposed to and interested in and that's me in a nutshell. I'm an artist, you know. I'm a guy who writes. I'm a guy who travels. I'm a guy who thinks. I'm a guy who likes music, uh, doesn't play enough, doesn't listen enough. And I'm a guy who, like, paints. But, you know, whether I'm good or bad, I don't know. I'm a guy who writes. Whether it's good or bad, or I don't know. I like investing. I like trading and trying to make money in a fair way. Um you know, cryptocurrency and technology and advanced materials and the future of humanity. You know, that's why I studied anthropology. All of that stuff really fascinates me. So you guys, that's who I am. And this is the longest podcast that I've done yet, but pretty good to put my entire 47 years into a podcast here. And I'll sum it up for you right now. I'm a father. I'm an adventurer. I'm a husband. I'm a creative guy and I'm fascinated by how weird we are as people and what we're going to do next and and by technology and what we're going to do with it and by government and what we're going to do with it and politics and all this stuff. So I love sharing this stuff with you. You know, for those few of you who listen and enjoy this, thanks. I really appreciate your listening. I hope... uh, you know, you can share back like with questions or comments or things like that. And as always, aloha. Thanks for listening, you guys. Happy holidays. I'll do a podcast next week, but we're in the midst of the holidays and I really hope that everything is going great for you guys. Aloha, nui loa. Hey guys, if you're looking for more from me, you don't have to go far. Just go to vagobond.com and you'll find links to everything. That's V-A-G-O-B-O-N-D.com. Bond. Vago Bond. Aloha.